All right, welcome back to the In The Blues Tone podcast. This is the third in-house one, and I'm joined again by Dr. Rick. Welcome back, mate. Uh, mate, good to be here, although I probably have to get a life, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> You're back by popular demand. Everyone loves a bit of Dr. Rick. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you got any stalkers yet? Uh, no, but, but a few people that say, oh, you know, tell me all, all about you and whatnot, and I think, mm, okay, yeah, it's a bit too close. <laughs> Cool. So firstly, I want to do a big shout out to Abraham who sent out this awesome painted artwork back here. This is prints of uh, paintings he's done. We've got Albert King, we've got Jimi Hendrix, Papa Chubby, BB King. We've also got a Stevie Ray Vaughan guitar behind me over here and also a Muddy Waters plate, which is actually a metal plate you can mount on the wall, but being awesome. that I'm renting, I don't think I'm allowed to do that here, but it's killer. So um, I wanted to just give him a huge shout out for sending this stuff out. This room needed a bit of mojo and... He's absolutely delivered. I'm going to leave a code in the description if you can't see this. And it's 30% off if you want to um, buy any of his stuff. It's He's an independent artist. I don't get commission for it. I just wanted to give him a shout out and a thank you for sending out this stuff. What do you think of it? Oh, they look fantastic. Really, really good. You can you can hear B.B. King's Lucille singing, crying. And it's, you can, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. I really love this Muddy Waters one. Yeah, yeah that's wild, awesome. man. That is wild. Very cool. So I took some questions from YouTube today. I asked everybody, you know, you got any good topics? Yeah. And we got a whole lot of cool ones. So I thought we'd take some community questions. And this this first one is could be, I reckon you've got some probably good experiences Uh-oh. with this one. But it's, well, well, bad ones, actually. It's called The Worst Live Experience Playing. Oh, my goodness. Gee, well, I tell you what. <laughs> As you probably remember, most of my live experiences uh, playing, there's always something that goes wrong. But, um, gosh, you know what? Can I think about it? Can you go yeah, first? Yeah. <laughs> Losing a wireless pack mid-epic guitar solo at a festival comes to mind for me where, you remember that? <laughs> I, was I do. To, it's like right into one song, rocking out, oh. and then, then, then nothing. I've had actually one more that really, really just comes to mind as well was we were doing this uh, Channel 31 TV show years ago. They did a free public, to, uh, free-to-air TV show about oh, yeah. music and stuff. Yeah. And I tried one of the new songs and I couldn't remember the words. So I mumbled. Oh, uh, mate. And that, I, that was the all worst the thing ever. And one of the guys at Cranberry Music music Shop here said, uh, saw that last night. I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you sung the first verse three times, did you? Uh, yeah, I was all over the place. I could not remember it. Yeah. And it was the most embarrassing onstage performance for me. Uh, that I, I can recall, with the exception of yeah. maybe some of the jam nights. I mean, I've heard of some guys that can make up lyrics on the fly, but I can't. And whenever I try, <laughs> they always end up being rude. You yeah, know? yeah. So, um, yeah, I, f- I feel your pain, man. That is definitely relatable. I think um, one of the terrible gig experiences, do you remember that place called Bar 94? Yeah, yeah. In, um, in Richmond, in uh, Swan Street, Richmond. And the front door opens inwards to where you're standing. So <laughs> all these drunk punters punch their way through the door and you're standing there and, and, the, oh. and the door just about mashes you. And uh, I remember playing a gig in there and it's just full of drunk 20-somethings, you know, just just um, idiots. Sorry, kids, but you are. Um, and uh, I, I got home after that gig. It was a crappy gig and um, – Someone had poured their drink into my Telecaster, <laughs> uh, like a it'd be, it was a rum and coke, something sticky oh, and no. terrible, and it had gone into the pickup cavity through the bridge, and yeah, 
and and uh, I was so bummed because I thought it was a crap gig, crappy people, yeah. crappy sound. Remember the the mixer desk was behind the bar, yeah. so you rely on the on the cokehead behind the bar to mix you. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really crap, and uh, and then I get home and and. That was back in the days where you could still smoke and everything stunk yeah. of smoke. Oh, and uh, yeah, someone had spilled their drink in my telly. So, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm pissy as hell. And I thought, I've got to deal with this now because otherwise it'll just congeal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all the strings off, bridge off, pick up off. Wow. Clean out the cavity. Um, it was unreal. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of the gigs that made me think maybe I'll just play weddings. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, it was, but it was a nasty old place to play, wasn't it? I, I, yeah, terrible. I used to play there. I think the worst mistake I ever did was three weekends in a row, and oh, by the third oh, one, I just wanted. To, oh, and they weren't oh, even even interested in the music we were playing. It was they as soon as ABBA came on after the gig, everyone yeah. would be like, yeah, oh. <laughs> or whatever, or Bon Jovi or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why are you booking us at this place? But yeah. <laughs> we played there for ages and it was the smallest, most awkward stage. People would hit the mic. Yeah, that's right. And it would come in, hit hit you, in the face. Hit in your teeth. And I, I had this theory that um, venues used um, bands like us to launder money. Uh, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fennigan, cause the punters weren't there for us. Like, yeah, I played at another <laughs> place in Brunswick Street and uh, – yeah, you, know, you play your blues and you're getting into it and whatnot, and all these people are like, uh, "What?" Yeah. And then, as soon as you finished, the cymbal hadn't even stopped ringing out, and they put the disco music on, and people were going nuts. Yeah. So you're loading out through a crowd of drunk people dancing to disco music, you know, bumping into you, and yeah, and uh, yeah, it really did make me think. I should have chosen something else to <laughs> get get my kicks. His live music thing has got hairs on it. Yeah. Anyway. I can think of one other funny story, and we won't have to mention any names or anything like that, but being the generous guy and the, the trusting guy that Rick can be, he <laughs> oh, no. meets people and he says, oh, come up and have a play. Oh, dear. <laughs> so uh, there was one fairly recent experience, maybe in the last year or so, that I, I, never, I wasn't there, but I, I heard about this to no end. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit about that? Oh, no, no. If you go ahead, mate. So, <laughs> Tell us what you heard. <laughs> this, there's a lot of guys that talk the talk when they, you know, about gear and they, um, you know, they might be right into it, but you get them in a live situation and they can't play. It, it's just the way that it is. Yep. Uh, and it, it, how well you play at home doesn't always translate to, I guess, how well you play out live either. Yep. But then there's also people who just shouldn't play live. <laughs> I know that's kind of cruel, but... yeah. This no. was one of those guys that Rick met. <laughs> he brought him up to the jam. And he, I think he said, no matter what key you were in, yeah. you were screaming it out, we're in C, we're yeah, in yeah. or B or yeah. whatever. He'd be in G the whole time. Yeah, yeah. He played the same, he played in the same position on the neck for every song, uh, regardless of what key it was in. So, um, uh, yeah, we called him One Key Freddy. And um, it was. It was jazzy, sort of. I mean, you know what they say in jazz, there's no such thing as an incorrect note, just poor note selection. <laughs> well, yeah, just every every note he seemed to hit was a clunker. But, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a teachable moment for me. Uh, yeah, I think I just get so enthusiastic and if people are into guitars and, yeah. you know, can talk the talk with gear and stuff and, you know, <laughs> know what sort of new old stock valves Stevie Ray had in his vibe reverb, et cetera, then um, I figure, well, you must be able to play and... Yeah, that ain't necessarily so. That is a non sequitur. 
<laughs> anyway, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So the next question was from Krager. He says, top five things newish blues guitarists should listen to or learn to do when wow. they want to play blues. So. Gosh, top five things. Or just, it doesn't have to be five exactly. Yeah, but yeah. We, well, no. certainly in no order. Um, well, maybe the top five things are vibrato, vibrato, just that absolute characteristic fingerprint mm-hmm. of how you strike the string and how you make it sound. Um, you know, I, I just hear so many <clears throat> really bad vibratos. Yeah, like, oh, I, I guess same. again, you know, and bends as well. Yeah, that, that's right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think if you, I, I'd rather you, uh, um, not learn, you know, all the pentatonic licks, etc. but, but just learn, so that classic BB King lick, you know, mm. da, 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 yeah. that, that, that that kind of simple thing. One of my three. That's well, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? I'd rather have three that sound like that yeah. than ten that sound crap. Um, but yeah, just getting that vibrato like a voice, like a human voice, because no one likes someone who goes, "Oh, my baby," you know, they don't <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. that stuff. They, they really want a vibrato that that um, is expressive, and so yeah, three notes. One note, whatever, mm. just hitting it. So, you know, if I had my time over again, instead of, you know, learning all these licks that probably amount to nothing, um, <laughs> vibrato, uh, you, where you can make one note sound so much better than than a flurry of ten. That's why I always liked Clapton's playing. Because oh, yeah, his yeah. vibrato was the vibrato that I wanted to sound like. Mm. You know, it was just the best. It was never always intense. He played it in in conjunction with the feel of the song yeah it doesn't yeah. have to always be like aggressive like you said before yeah yeah um but yeah he always had a really great touch and i love that and i think another important thing would just be bend with intention yeah absolutely so many guys that learn where the notes are they bend but they're not hitting something they're yeah. just bending a note up to yeah like some random yeah. egyptian scale totally. <laughs> as, we, as we say yeah. to our friend carlin <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one can do it like Those him semi, what do they call the microtones microtones yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. They don't quite work well over blues. Yeah. If you're not bending, probably it's like. Oh well, well, yeah. There's this interesting bend where it sort of goes between a a minor third and a major third. Okay. It's this. It's this sort of no man's land, but it works. But you've yeah, you've got to still do it with intent. Yeah, oh, that's, that's what. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So so it and it straddles that that territory between minor and major, and I and I dig that sound. But yeah, just just bending for the sake of pushing wire around. Yeah. It just it just sounds like a cat being tortured and, and it's no, it. uh, it's really unpleasant for your ear. But I remember I saw a video, I think um might have been Larry Carlton, who is awesome. Kids, if you want to learn the blues, just listen to Larry Carlton and I'll see you in 10 years when you've got down a couple of these things. But he played a whole scale bending into the notes. Oh, and, wow. and so you can tell if a scale's out. And so – and that was just a great – um, mm. Drill for um, getting your intonation right on the bends. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's really, really important to make it sound musical, and 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 hit it, hit that note. So yeah, having pitch is important. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, when you're bending, know where what you're going for, where you're going to, yeah. and get there because it's, yeah, it's sort of um, unsatisfying for the listener if you <laughs> if you, yeah. mm, but you never get there. It's it's. Um, and the, uh, the, yeah. Those bends that feel like they lose 
the battery in the last moment as well. It just, they don't, they sort of fall down in a weird way as well. Oh, don't you like those? I do them all the time. <laughs> I think the easiest way to know if you're bending correctly, and this is still something I practice when I know I have not, my technique suffers with the bends, is play, play a note, go back two frets and bend up to another note and see... And just hit the the note you're trying to get to over and over, and see if you're yeah. you're making the same pitch. Yeah, and absolutely. different guitars are, are are a different challenge too. I think with oh bends. for sure, for sure, a yeah. Fender will always fight you more than a Gibson with the longer scale link. Yeah, um, but yeah, and I find that if I haven't played for a while, that's the first thing that kind of goes because you need you need strength to bend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you also you know recruit other fingers to help you do the work, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, if I haven't played for a while, that's that's. I just noticed that my bends lose sort of accuracy or mm. um, that sort of intensity that you want because you need to be putting a certain amount of energy into the string yeah. to get it to get it to pitch. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that, I think yeah, vibrato and bending is is really important and and phrasing. I was about phrasing. to say that. Yeah, oh, yeah? yeah okay. perfect. Yeah, so. So no one like someone who talks like this all the time and never takes a break because. Uh, that's terrible to listen to. <laughs> so, I mean, I think um, listening to horn players is great because they take they have to take a breath, um, and I think it's the same for guitar players that you can play a line and then have a break mm-hmm. because you know you might have implied some sort of musical theme in that first line, and then you might like to either repeat it or do a call and response thing yeah. and if there's just a whole, again, a whole flurry of notes, it just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think phrasing vocally or phrasing like listen to a, a horn player, um, you know, they're the sorts of things. I know Robin Ford, uh, he actually plays a bit of saxophone too. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's Chris Kane. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he used to play sax. I knew there's reasons why I hated those guys because <laughs> I've heard – And they heard, played together as well. Did they? Yeah. yeah. Well, Chris Kane was in the Robin Ford band back in the day. Well, no, I think I think Robin Ford has said that Chris Kane is the baddest-ass blues player there yeah. is. I think Tommy Castro said the same thing. Did he? A very similar thing yeah. to that as well. He's All like these the guys in the blues. Bay Area, man. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> man, that's a, that's a cool area. So in terms of like the phrasing thing uh, – you just go through all the classic players, I guess, would be the, the – you've got your B.B. King stuff, you've got Clapton. Yeah. Uh, Albert Collins is another one who I think yeah. phrases beautifully. Uh, yeah. His, yeah. his attack is great too, you know. Yeah. And uh, to add one thing to, I guess, this list, it would also be attack, string attack yep. would be something to be conscious of. No one wants every note to sound the same in, in its dynamic, which means like – yeah. If you play all your notes soft, it's boring. If you play all your notes like you want to kill the guitar, it, it gets overbearing. So yeah. there's a there's a way to accentuate certain notes in a scale. Even if you're plonking up and down on the pentatonic, hit a couple of those notes really hard and they really jump out. You know, yeah, even if you're yeah. a be- like beginner and you haven't learnt licks, that'll teach you to, you know, attack. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, that's exactly right. I think um, dynamics is what you look at too, isn't it? Um, you can't blast all night. I mean, I've tried it, and you, it's fun. You can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 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 no one wants to hear that. They'd rather hear, um, you know, the the uh, the ebb and flow of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a, a good mate of mine, um, Shannon Bourne, who plays around town. He says that he loves it when a, a band can go from like a freight train 
to hearing a pin drop. Yeah. And um, that's when you're in the audience and that happens, it's just magic. It really is magic. And, you know, the last few gigs we've been playing, there's a lot of really good stuff like that goes on. Oh, absolutely. You know, where, where it goes really quiet and um, – there's a guy called Philip Sace. I don't know if you've heard of Philip. I don't know the name. Yeah, he's yeah. a crazy Canadian strat guy. And sometimes he literally turns the volume off on his guitar and plays and you just hear this, the plinking oh, sound. Oh, wow. Of, Was and he holding up to the mic or something? No, oh, okay. no, no. So like there's people, there's people, you know, like most droogs at, at gigs these days with a phone like this. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, he'll actually play without it being plugged in and you just hear the pick hitting the string. And, oh, wow. And it's kind of, I mean, I know it's, probably a bit of an exaggeration, but um, I love where it can go really, really, really quiet. Yeah. Um, unfortunately in Australia, uh, what tends to happen when you play a quiet blues song is you hear everyone talking. <laughs> it's, quite, it's a cuter, you know, oh, the band's going to be sensitive now. Let's start talking really loud. That's, that's what they say about bass solos as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I don't know if I've seen it overseas as much as I have here, but it's, it just seems to be acute to start talking. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, being in the zone and, um, you know, one of the things about playing the blues for me is that, uh, you know, it's a real expression of whatever stuff you've got inside. Yeah. And so it's, it's really quite disheartening when you're, <laughs> you know, you're focusing on something really intense and, and uh, sensitive and, and you just hear all the puns going blah 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 blah. So anyway, um, it it's kind of feels like the equivalent of Abraham sending this stuff out and me just burning it on camera. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's brutal. It's like, oh man, yeah, <laughs> I put like all these years into my into my craft. He sweated over them. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they're awesome. I think they're really evocative. And yeah. um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, dynamics, I think, is is a really important thing for uh, for the blues as well. Another thing I would suggest as well is just. Keep your ears open for what makes the players you listen to great. Yep. I, would, yeah. I don't know if that's five, but if you've got another one we can yeah, add, no, go no, for no, it. That, that's that's uh, important. I, I knew as soon as I heard Rick, I heard Brian and a few of our other friends, I'm like, these guys are great. Like what makes them sound so good? There's there's always reasons why. If it's- yeah, extreme volume would be mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, you're right. What, what sort of um, makes it? Distinctive for your ear. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess when we think of Chris Kane, it's uh, a lot of the sort of passing stuff that he does. Yeah. I mean, and and there's just this um, there's this humour in his playing. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's humour in his clothing too, with his uh, his uh, Bimmer yeah, Bros yeah. overalls. But there's his personality comes comes out in his playing. He's just uh, it's great. But there's sort of jazz stuff in it as well. Um, he sounds unique. He sounds familiar, but at the same time, he sounds like himself. Yeah, you know, and that's that's a, a an important thing. Like, I could be outside, and there might be fifteen guitar players in a room. I'll know if you're playing, or I'll know if Brian's playing. Mm. And people say that sometimes about my playing. They're like, "Oh, I knew that was you." Like, I could hear the guitar. I'm like, "Oh, yeah. that's awesome, cool." So I, I might actually have, you know, you steal a lot of stuff, but you end yeah. up not sounding like a clone. I know you, you've got your signature licks. There's no doubt oh, about that. Yeah. Oh, tell me about it. I hear about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. No, no, come on. That's great. It's, I think it's, B.B. King had five licks, so no, no. He did. Well, no, well, B.B. King end. did it. And, yeah. you know, Albert Collins had sort of five licks as well. Yeah. You know, tuned, <laughs> tuned F minor, put a capo on. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, it's not what you got, it's what you do with it and how you drop it in and how it all fits. And yeah, um, so yeah, they say the blues music just because it's simple doesn't make it easy, you know, like, um. I don't know, people have them under under the misapprehension that blues is, oh, anyone can do that. You know, it's just yeah, pentatonic. Yeah, yeah. But it, if you just play a, a random pentatonic scale over a blues progression, it'll sound exactly like that, a scale. Yeah. It'll have no life, no meaning. No, and that's it. So, um, yeah, and it's a, I think blues, playing the blues is like a lifetime of learning and yeah. advancing and... I mean, you know yourself, if you listen to a, a gig from five years ago, you go, oh, you know, I was doing that then. and Yeah, um, oh, even you're right. Even a few years ago, I can hear my approach change. And I guess also doing so many videos, there's those, you know, you don't want to break copyright rules as well. So there's yeah. things I play a lot, but I'm actually bringing in a lot of new stuff. And when I listen back, I'm like, man, even the way that I approach something that I might still do now yeah. is very different. Yeah. Yeah. It feels not as good and the the, the fluidity isn't there. So, yeah, it's sort of a strange – yeah, it's, you're always learning. Even the stuff yeah, you think you know yeah. well, you can improve on it and change it up. I mean, your recent videos, I've noticed um, uh, because you're using an amp and a speaker, mm-hmm. um, there's uh, – I, I hear more intensity in there and more um, intent as well. So, like, there were a few sort of recent intro jams and people have commented as well. So, yeah, wow, yeah, that's yeah. – co- and and I can hear and and I'm thinking, yeah, you're hearing something and it's coming back to you with that sort of speaker sound that yeah. knock and then it takes you somewhere else and you think, oh, I'll do this, do this. So, mm-hmm. um, I know that's a bit of a tangent to go off, but I'm really liking that you're using speakers. Oh, um, nice. It's the only way to do the amp videos justice too. Obviously, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The two notes is cool and it does yeah. a great job, but it yeah. doesn't have that feel in the room, yeah. especially the clean tones. You, you can't beat having yeah. a loud clean channel. It really, it feels great to play. It really yeah. does. It's, yeah. it's like that bass breaker was another question I had, you know, did I buy it? And I, I didn't, but I'm so close to still wanting it Yeah, <laughs> because it gave me that, that feeling of, you know, some of those videos, one take, yeah, that's it. I'm like, yeah. oh, that was easy. It sounds so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, uh, and the response you know, is there. Great yeah. tone can can do that to you. You just yeah. you just think, wow, it's just there in spades and and it's real. And look, I've you know I've got a Line Six Helix, um, and I, I just have not been able to get a really great clean tone out of it. A clean tone that makes you want to play, that make you sort of feel the body of the note and the and the attack and all that sort of stuff. Um, so in Oh, I'm just a dinosaur as far as um, I love the sound of amps and speakers and all that sort of stuff. And look, I've got great quality IRs in it too, all the Celestian IRs, the uh, G12 65 pack, and they sound great. Well, they sound so much better than what's in the Helix. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. I'm digging what you've been doing lately with a, a real amp and real speakers. And it's, Thanks, thanks. I appreciate that. It's a case of volume. It really is because yep. I think that's the problem maybe with the Helix. You might be using it with headphones or through a small amp yeah. and you're not getting yeah. that sound that you're used to. But yeah. I'm yeah. sure if you plugged into a great PA system, it might give you something. Yeah, yeah. But then you're still loud, you know. So Yeah, that's right. Look, it's, yeah, I, I, it does sort of the semi-dirty and the really dirty sounds mm-hmm. are pretty good. But just it's, I think it's hard to get that beautiful Fender clean sound, you know, yeah. and – the bass breaker just had that straight there. Like I was like a few other people who chimed in. 
I thought the base breaker uh, won the shootout uh, yeah, against I, your GSL 40. I really wanted to talk about that as well because people preferred the brighter sound over yeah. the, the Marshall, which was darker, but it was darker because the speaker choice yeah. made the amp less bright and that's what I went for. Yeah. I go for a good live sound. Yeah. I don't want to just have a really bright amp that's going to kill everybody when I play live. I had that with the Marshall. Unless it, I got it to its sweet spot, mm. it was always too bright, even with the treble down. and Yeah. It sounded great loud. Like it ended up losing a bit of top end once you cranked it. Yeah. But yeah. the sound that is a lot easier for me to get a, a tone that's not going to kill everybody with the, that blizzard of nails. Uh. Yeah, my live sound's sorted. I don't think I need to go back to the, the V-type speaker. I don't know what, if you think I do or not, but nah. it, I, I felt like the bass breaker sounded great, but if I was to put the stock speaker back in mine, it would be easily as bright. Yeah. But that's just at home. Like yeah, if yeah. I was to play that tone out, people would be like, man, the top end's probably killing me. Yeah. I was really shocked actually yeah. it sounded the way that it did, but yeah. I didn't dislike the Marshall. I liked its fat sort of overtone mm. and mm. not having that sort of shrilly top end, but I'm more of a Fender amp guy than I am a Marshall yeah, amp guy. Yeah. And that's what I was going for. I wanted a drive channel on a Marshall yeah. that reminded me of a Fender yeah, so I could use it without yeah. pedals. I know that's sort of counterintuitive no, 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 or whatever, no. but I really love, love the fact it's got a sort of Fender-y vibe now, putting that American yeah. speaker in there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That bass breaker rocks. It, it does. really does. Oh, I can easily see you having a two-amp rig, mate. Fender and Mark, just like Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray had Viber Verbs and, and yeah. uh, big Marshall Major, 200 watt. So uh, Stevie Ray could afford to buy all that <laughs> or get it given to him or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't feel like I, I – I felt like the difference actually in the room wasn't that apparent. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and that's what it came down to. I, I felt like they were both doing a very similar thing tone-wise yeah. except – the speaker made the other amp so much yeah. brighter. Because so it wasn't what speaker was in the Fender. It was a V uh, type solution oh, okay. as well. Same one that right. would be in the Marshall yeah. stock, but I didn't want to have to un the back of the Marshall's a pain, so yes. I didn't want to have to yeah. pull those yeah. uh, fifteen screws out of the back yeah. again because the threading's starting to go. So yeah. I didn't want to do that. But I've if you look back at the original videos on YouTube and my original live videos. That amp is so much brighter. And I remember a few times when I, I went to that Tonka speaker. Remember oh, that's that? right. Yeah, for that yeah, one, yeah. one gig we did that live yeah, thing. Yeah. And to me, that was too bright. It was it was too loud and it was a heavy yeah. speaker, but it, it had too much top end. And I thought, I might as well just go back to the stock speaker if I want to be that yeah. bright. It yeah. sounded maybe better than the stock speaker in, in a punchier way, but it still wasn't my sound. I was still wanting yeah. a less bright sound just so I could dial in more tops if I need to. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I know it's probably like lost the character of the Marshall slightly, but it's the sound that I like. It's yeah. almost like my fender amp with my overdrive pedal. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Because <laughs> what what do you have the presence on the Marshall set at? Uh, it was it was fairly uh look I c I can't remember at the uh. moment. But it depends on the room how I usually set that up. But oh, okay. I usually have the resonance one down and the presence might be anywhere from Nine to about twelve o'clock. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've started using the bright switch a lot on my Fender amps too now. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. enjoying. You mentioned that yeah. one time. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. thought that was a great trick. Yeah. Now that's a Pete Thorne thing. Uh, ah. He's uh, yeah. I always used to ignore the bright switch, but it can be quite quite <laughs> yeah. useful for that real nice zingy sound. Yeah. That, uh, um, no, it's cool. And it's funny going back to the Fender now. I'm hearing 
it isn't anywhere near as bright as my Marshall with the darker voiced kind of speaker. Yeah, it yeah. has a very different sound again. So yeah. I'm still, you know, enjoying that sort of sound. But the bright switch works. Folks, just keep the pressure on, Shane. Just keep saying, "Come on, have you bought that amp already? <laughs> Come on, get there. Oh. Two amp rig. That will be wicked." Man. Then you wouldn't have to do arm day at the gym because those things I just have to get arm. lower back surgery at some point. Oh, uh, yeah, that's okay. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. But yeah, one day. I look, if if the stars align, I might uh I might get it. But yeah. Uh, it's still in my still in the back of my mind. Or not even at the back. It's closer to the front. Yeah. I'm still thinking about it. I, every day I see comments about it. Have you bought it? That's one of the questions yeah. have I got it. Did, it. It did sound really good. And and like yeah. you know, it was inspiring to play. We've too. only had to wait about forty years for Fender to make a, a drive channel on <laughs> yeah. that we could use. Uh although having said that, I remember the sixty watt supersonic that you had. Oh, that was great. That was a corker. And they don't make that anymore. No, there's one new one from that range up at a shop in Melbourne. Is there? Yeah. Five stars or just the other day. Oh. Yeah, I went out there and had a look. With with that great Graphic on it though, not the crappy. No, Super it's the Sonic. crappy design, but it's the newer model. Right, yeah. right. Sixty watts. Yeah, they're loaded with a vintage thirty. If I, the reason I sold that was because my back was yeah, in really yeah. bad shape. Yeah. I had those disc bulge things yeah, or whatever they were yeah. called, and yeah. I remember getting it out of the car, and I that was it. Yeah. It was like my legs gave out, and yeah, I was, was like, you know what? It was murder. I don't have those problems anymore though. No, <laughs> thankfully, but. Uh, yeah, that amp had probably the best drive channel from a Fender amp. There was one called a Machete that a lot of people are messaging oh, me about. Yeah. Do you remember that? They did that for a short amount of time. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I ever played one. Yeah, no, I, I did. And um, yeah. yeah, I think it's called, called a Machete because it uh, <laughs> <laughs> it belongs in a cane field. Oh, yeah. It's a, oh, it was it's, terrible. Was it, a, it was a Shredder amp? Yeah, yeah oh, okay. it was. Um, and it had this sort of ultra-modern look and, oh, and whatnot, yeah, okay. but it just sounded like... A whole bunch of blowflies in a bottle. Yeah. Um, no, it sounded terrible. Like the um, – I had a ProSonic back in the day, oh, Fender yeah, ProSonic, yeah. and it and it was Fender's first uh, foray into cascaded gain. There were two gain controls in the drive channel. Yeah, wow. You could run one into the other. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like, you know, the Mesa Boogie kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it sounded so bad. It just sounded <laughs> awful. But the clean channel was great, so I used it for years because um, it had a – a valve rectifier and you just turn it up and get that really great Fender clean sound that cracks up a bit yeah, and, yeah. and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, so Fender and drive channels, yeah, it's been a long time coming, but that bass breaker sounded fantastic. I can't wait to get my hands on it and see if I can blow it up. It probably sounds so great because of the, the valve configuration in it as well. It's something a little different, you know. It's like, uh, ELA-84s, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it's just got a nice – it's just got a – Bright sound, but it's still got way more low end than like my old Vox would have yeah, had. It's just yeah. a, it's a really cool sound. The speaker they've chosen, they didn't. It doesn't feel half assed It might be because they might have had a thousand of those yeah. things sitting in every room and yeah. where the factory, whatever. But um, it, it's a great choice. Like mm. you don't really need to swap that out. Yeah, and I always think about that with with an amp. How great does it sound straight away? Yeah. Do I like it enough? Yeah. Okay, and then. Mm, I don't know. Well, those speakers do change as you break them in too. They get, yeah. they get more mellow. Yeah, that that Texas heat in my DSL has been used to death back from the Fender Mustang days. Yeah, so yeah. it's had a lot of use. Yeah, so it's been worn in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never had an amp long enough to wear it in. So I'll just get rid of them. Sort of Every like- time Rick buys an amp, I always say circle of friends. Six or eight months. <laughs> well, I'm no, guilty no, of that too. No, so I think worry. I've got. I think I've got. Five amps in my man cave. Wow. Um, so, and I've 
I've I've um, been a good boy. I, I can't remember the last amp I bought and flipped pretty quickly. But so, what's your main amp lineup right now? Like, what's what's your main go to gear if yeah. you're playing a gig? Yeah. So, um, uh, for a straight blues gig, I'll use uh, my Milkman Creamer, which yep. is uh, uh, it's basically it's a Fender style amp. I think it's like a Princeton front end and a tweed power stage. Yeah, uh, you can put six V six or six L six bottles in it, so you get oh, a little bit more cool. headroom. It's great. Yeah, don't have to rebuy. It just push wow. this little switch at the, on the back, um, and it's got this lovely um, all tube uh, vibrato or tremolo, and uh, it's great. And it's quite light, and it's yeah. it's loud as hell, isn't it? It is, and it sounds amazing. Like yeah. the best tones from the gig we filmed up at Mount D's yeah. for that jam thing. That was your amp was the yeah, total yeah. winner. No, it's it's a great sound, yeah. but um, and I've also got uh, a two or crystal which I dusted off the other day. I hadn't played that for ages, <laughs> yeah. and I was saying to Ron, I was thinking, sell it, but you know what? No, I, I actually played it, and uh, and it sounds it sounds really good. It's just a lovely, clean platform, and um, uh, yeah, it's great. So there's that. My Doctor Z EZG fifty, which is Doctor Z's version of a Super Reverb. Just with yeah. two tens, they call it the. Is that the backbreaker? It weighs <laughs> a metric ton. It is such a heavy beast, and every time I look at it, and I think, oh, I should take that to a gig. You know, it's got to go up. You know, two flights of stairs, and and blah blah blah. And uh, I should just man the hell up and bloody take it because it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, huge. it's a huge, big sound. It's got just the. It's got the the roundest sound for two tens. Yeah, it has, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. so no, he, he builds it in, and then um, for this sort of uh, cover band thing that I've got, I've, I've got a Friedman uh, Dirty Shirley head and cab, yeah. and the Dirty Shirley's been modded to have um, KT sixty six power tubes with these big bottles. Oh yeah. Um, and when I first got it, I was so carried away because I've never had an amp with gain on it. It's always just been master. You turned into I mean, just one volume. Yeah, you turned into a Metallica player. I do, yeah. <laughs> I turned to Kirk Hammett. But um, I've actually got used to how it works now and yeah, so I cool. don't have the preamp all no, cranked it up. It sounds so much better the last time I heard it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it actually sounded nice. Like, yeah, It just didn't yeah. have that throw no, that it was too compressed. Yeah, it was yeah. way too compressed. So, yeah, I had the gains that are dialed back and then, and then when I really want to go for it, uh, yeah, yeah, just sort of – Turn on the guitar and kick a drive pedal, and it really goes well. So no, that that's a great amp. Cool. Um, so yeah, they'd be the ones that I'm using. Nice. We yeah. had a question too from uh, from the YouTube feed earlier about. I get asked this question a lot, but this was specifically for you. What strings are you using oh, on okay. your electric guitars? So I use uh, eleven to forty nines, uh, Daddario cool. eleven to forty nine. I think the XL one fifteen or something. Do you use them on all of your guitars, or just on? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, on everything. Because I, I I buy them from um, uh, a place in America. Uh, can we plug or we? No, I don't care. Yeah, we're not sponsored, oh, okay. so go for yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind. I can't remember what are they called. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Uh, Is it strings and beyond? Possibly. Yeah, it's something like that. Because you had web strings was where I used to get mine. Yeah, and that was yeah. Sort of like the well, every ones. now and then, strings and beyond have a um, a free postage to Australia deal. Yeah. Uh, which is great because, you know, otherwise, you know, if, if I usually buy, you know, three packs of 10 oh, or something well, okay, and, cool. and like, it can cost you, you know, 25 US dollars just to uh, just for postage. Yeah, um, which adds up now. 
It does. Unlike back in the day. Because we folks in Australia, we have this, the currency is called the Pacific Peso and it's <laughs> it's absolutely crap. It's about 65 uh, US cents to one of our dollars. So, um, yeah, it all it all adds up. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so 11 to 49s. And I used to play uh, uh, this sort of hybrid set, 10 to 52, light top, skinny, light top, heavy bottom. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, just going from 10 to 11, I really do like it. And now I just feel all at sea if I get on one with nines or tens. And yeah, yeah. I must admit, um, uh, you know, when we went to GitCon and all the guitars had nines or tens yeah. on them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was playing even more crap than usual and – and uh, you could see lots of people saying, oh, YouTubers, you know, they, they can only play in their bedroom. They can't sort of play out live. Man, and you carried that show. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, it was, it was sort of – it was <laughs> tough because, yeah, you know, if you're just not, not sort of used to it, um, well, that's, that's yeah. my excuse anyway. But, yeah, so I've played 11 to 49s for such a long time and it just feels good to me. I played the Diodario 11 to 48s maybe. Or are they 49s? 49s, They're yeah. Or 49s, yeah. yeah. And I played them for years on all of my guitars. And then I think Brian or someone said to me, Telecasters, just put 10s on it. And I, I wasn't sure of the reasoning, uh-huh. but I went, I'll give that a go. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah. stuck the 10s on all my tallies. Yeah. Well, not that I've got many of them, but yeah, that's that and my Strat have 11s. Everything else is now 10s to 46. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm enjoying the PRS with the – that's what kind of started to convert me was the PRS SE. It came oh. with 10s and it played just beautifully and I went, yeah. oh, I don't know if I want to change the strings and I never did. So yeah. I just bought packs of ten, yeah. uh, 10s to 46. Yeah, yeah. And it, it works for that guitar for whatever reason. Mm. But, yeah, I just did a review of a uh, – I'd probably be out by the time this video goes up, but of a Yamaha Pacifica with oh, yeah. nines. Man, it was – oh. My bends, <laughs> talking about bends earlier, the bends were like at the start, I, I had to really focus because yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a four, four fret bend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, it's hard, they're hard know, to play. Billy Gibbons plays eights, yeah. you know, from ZZ Top. Um, and I think uh, there's a few players that I remember finding out I like play really light strings. It, it sort of, um, it, it sort of shocked me. But I, I'm sure probably you, there's, There'd be bugger all tonal difference in it, no. But it's more that that feel under your fingers, and yeah, I think that's that's what influences our playing. And um, uh, but and of course, you know, Josh Smith uses thirteens. Oh, oh okay, yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah my well. gosh, and and I'm, I saw him um, earlier this year, and uh, I regret wow. not going now. By the way, ah. Oh. Because I've been like addicted to his lessons on YouTube. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. unbelievable. He's, Some of the stuff he breaks down, and even I can understand it, which means yeah. most people should be. No, able he's to. really good, isn't he? Like, yeah, uh, he um, although he's been playing since he was like you know eight or nine or something. Yeah. And I think he said, "Oh, when I was twelve, I thought I had it all. I was you know gigging, working, live, blah blah blah." And then uh, he started thinking about, "Oh, I want to play outside, or yeah. want to play over the changes and." And so just watching some of that and trying to put that into your own playing is it's tough, but it just adds that real um, you know, touch of class to, yeah. to your playing. So no, he's And he's the way an he explained monster. it, I do a lot of like half step kind of chords things in my yeah. rhythm parts. Yeah. And I've never really thought about it yeah. soloing in those sort of half step yeah. ideas. And yeah. I was like, this is cool. So I started noodling around with it, but I haven't got to a point where I'm I'm still overthinking it extremely yeah, at the moment. Yeah. I'm like, I'll, I'll wait until it sort of yeah. sinks in again. I'll well, watch it four yeah. or five more times. But I shared it on the feed because I was like, 
There's got to be this, you know, those moments where doors open. You go, Absolutely, oh! yeah. <laughs> yeah. How is that not? Uh, how yeah. did I not think of this? Oh, definitely, it's yeah, an epiphany. Yeah. But uh, does that still happen to you when you? Oh, watch- absolutely. Yeah. No, well, I think we've been watching the same things. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So he talks about you don't you don't play over the changes. You play through them. Mm. So uh, you know, just a simple blues progression. You know, once once you go from the root. Before you get to the four, there might be a little uh, diminished chord before it, yeah. and you can put a little diminished run, just you know, three or four notes, yeah. and it's like, oh, what happened there? And then it resolves to the four, and just little things like that. But yeah, yeah for me, it still sounds like you can you can hear me thinking as I'm playing. <laughs> Whereas with him, it's just like it just tumbles out. It's uh, this fluency, and and uh, remember um, Eric Clapton talking about when he first heard Stevie Ray on the radio. Like yeah, he, he had to, over yeah, he had yeah, to stop. Yeah, yeah. Who is this? I've got to find yeah. out who this guy is. And then he's sitting in the audience watching him and and thinking he's just this channel that's coming from somewhere else. And Stevie's just the the vessel that, yeah. that's, that's carrying it. And then he so intimidated he couldn't go on stage and all this sort of. This, we're all a bunch of whack jobs playing guitar, <laughs> but you know these things can affect you so deeply. Then I guess that's. That's why we love it, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not just the mechanics, not just going through the motions. That you know, we play a gig later tonight, and there'll be times where I'm sure Shane will be in that sort of in that place and thinking, "Where am I going to go?" And uh, <laughs> and then I go half a step out and ruin it. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> no yeah, you'll yeah. find it, and, and it'll be just it'll be great. And yeah. and those little magic moments happen during a gig. That's it. Um, and and it keeps you coming back. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So over the last couple of years, Rick's a bit of a changed man. These days he went from the, being the, the local Albert Collins of the Telecaster <laughs> to playing nothing but humbuckers on the most part. He sold his Strat. He's yep. a single coil less man at the moment. Actually, he's still got probably way too many tellies. But, yeah, uh, no, I've still got a few tellies. You've changed over to the, the dark side going to the humbuckers, which I, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of as well on certain guitars. But I guess uh, what did you hear in – the initial good humbucker tone that made you go, hey, I may- maybe I've been missing out yeah, or yeah. what inspired well, you to get uh, into it? Certainly um, I sheet the blame home directly to your doorstep <laughs> because uh, when you got that uh, SE, uh, yeah. PRS SE, and with the 8515 pickups, I've just never heard that much top-end clarity in a humbucker ever. Mm. For me, humbucker has always been that mid-range sort of boggy sound, uh, very rolled off top end, and just can't get a decent rhythm sound out of it at all. Yeah. And then I heard that, so I guess you know when I started playing the guitar in the, um, well, gosh, it was nineteen seventy nine or something. Yeah, well, that was when so I was born. That- <laughs> <laughs> oh hell. I'm as old as dust. But um, uh, that was just in the era of the hot rodder, so like Damasio, Super Distortion, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it must have been just when overwound humbuckers were coming in mm-hmm. and I'd always hear them and, and just think, oh, it just sounds so dark and yeah. and whatnot. And so I, I foolishly lumped everything in in with uh, that, you know, threw the baby out with the bathwater. So I've always, always, always played single coil guitars, strats forever. And then I got into my telly phase, which only lasted about twenty three years. Wow! <clears throat> and and uh, I didn't, I did not own one humbucker guitar. Hmm. 
okay, and then you <laughs> then you go and buy that that goddamn SE, and I hear it and go what? And um, because I've always put up with the buzz, and I've always subscribed to the oh, the buzz is part of the charm, but sometimes the buzz is a pain <laughs> in the nuts. The buzz is part of the it's distraction. Awful, you know? it's remember, remember we used to play the brunny, and the, oh. the, the trams go past, and and uh, your guitar starts picking up. You know, CB radios yeah, yeah. and all it that was, sort of stuff. That was the reason why I ended up flipping that P90 guitar because that gig was it was unusable. It was oh, one of the yeah, reasons why. No, absolutely. Yeah. So I heard that, and then I've kind of gone backwards and realised that the first the Les Pauls from '58 and '59 were the PAF pickups, the amazing, legendary, iconic PAF pickup. The PAF pickup is like so bright. Yeah. You know, and it and it uh, it's like a, a telly with just a little bit more muscle in the mid range, mm. but no buzz. And uh, so that's what took us to Sky Music that day. And it played thirty five PRS guitars. I, I could just play them for like ten seconds. Go no, 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 no. And it and it really came down to the David Grissom to the DGT model, uh, which I know he sweated about for years. You know, <laughs> two two years on the pickups. Yeah, you can't buy the pickups unless you buy the DGT guitar, uh, and that or the custom twenty two that I got. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it just sort of opened my eyes to that you can get beautiful, clear, top end. Nice warm mid range, not sort of overly honky nasal, yeah, yeah. and and the bottom end that's not flubby and it can still be tight. I wanted to talk about that process in the short amount of time I owned mine, and when you started looking for yours, we went in like Rick said, we tested thirty PRS guitars or yeah. however many it was, and you knew so much about every type of pickup, <laughs> <laughs> what it was called, what the numbers related to it. Yeah. I'm like, how do you know all this? You like didn't know anything about PRS a, guitars total, three weeks ago. I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, because I do uh some call it stalking, I call it intensive personal research. But uh whatever it is, uh It was yeah. awesome. I'm like, how do you know all this stuff? Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> You know, uh, uh, you know, I, I take a bit of time between patients, and I get on the computer and have a and and. <laughs> so they call out. it the waiting room, huh? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And why they call them patients? Because they've got to be goddamn patient. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because I, I reckon that one of the weaknesses of Paul Reed Smith guitars over the years has been the pickups. Mm. Like I remember when they first came out, it was this Dragon pickup or HFS, yeah. which um, I was I was holy, but it's not. It's hot. Fat screams or something. <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't but know it that. always just sounded like um, Santana. But uh, it's just um, now the pickups they're putting in, like the ones in my um, 594, the 58 to 15 LTs. Yeah. Yes. Um, See? <laughs> <laughs> LT stands for low turns. Um, they just sound. Uh, lovely top end and yeah. not hot at all, like not not high output, but just everything just breathes and mm-hmm. so yeah, it's been really weird. Uh, but you and also our mate Ryan um, is sort of tuned my ears to humbuckers and also yeah. uh, going to GitCon as well and and being with other players and hearing the tones they were pulling out. Yeah, um, you know our good mate Mike uh, Bradley um, and. And I hope that uh, Gene from PRS has finally given him that blue custom 24 because he left quite a bit of his <laughs> yeah, DNA yeah. in the back of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and 
just hearing those tones, you know, and, and as you know, I came back from Gigigigigigon uh, with a P90 guitar. Yep. So, um, yeah, it really did. Um, it was a bit of an epiphany for me, and I've really, I've thoroughly enjoyed this journey. We've had a mate of ours, a mutual friend, uh, Khaled, who I spoke about with Dave too, actually. He always comes up. Yeah. When I finally understood, like, what was great about Humbuckers, he's like, finally, I've been trying to tell you for like 20 years, man. Because <laughs> he's, a, he's a big advocate of those. Yeah, but he never makes them sound any good, so I can oh, see oh. what. <laughs> Just joking, Khaled, you make it sound awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then not long after that too, you ordered another guitar. Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. I got another one from Framus, um, which is called a Panthera 2 Supreme. That uh, sounds so metal. It does sound metal, doesn't it? <laughs> I think you're thinking about Pantera, the band with Dime, Dimebag oh, Daryl. Yeah, that's what I am But, uh, yeah, it's it's their version of a, a, Les, a Les Paul. Okay. Um, but that's also got um, very low output humbuckers. So it's got yeah. like the – I think the custom custom in the bridge and – and a um, oh, El Nico 3 Pro in the neck. And, again, they, they really clean up well and yeah. they do everything well. So, yeah, it was uh, – yeah, I've just decided um, that I was an idiot for years thinking, oh, humbucker, schmumbucker, I uh, sound like Motley Crue. Yeah. But uh, you, you don't. You can get some awesome, great tones out of humbuckers. You can turn them down and – they almost have this slightly compressed feeling about them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I guess with the the Framus and also with the PRS five ninety four, the coil split actually works. Yeah, you get a usable tone, you get a little bit of buzz, but you get a usable tone. It that, works way better on the US made ones than my. Um, oh right, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, was it made Korea or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. The split coil tones aren't. They're too bright. Oh, and they? they lose a lot of oomph too. Yeah, just, yeah. And the funny thing is, with that guitar, I never feel the urge to ever use split coil. Yeah, like yeah. it just sounds great. Well, it's bright enough, yeah. isn't it? You know. I remember that comparison we did with my other humbucker guitars at my old place? Oh, just yeah. off, we did it off camera. It was just, yeah, well, that that just closed the deal for me, mate. Yeah, it was. Uh, you, 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 and look, the Tokai is is a great sounding Les Paul, but um, when you plugged in the PRS, it was. Oh, the sound was so um, exciting and, and yeah, uh, inspirational. Absolutely, uh, it just made the the Les Paul sound kind of dead and and uh, yeah. um, you know really kind of nasal, like like you know again that blanket over the amp sound. Oh, that's exactly right. And mm-hmm. that I was kind of shocked at. I've ne- I was never open to the idea of a PRS before that. Mm. I'd played some at Jerry's and I really liked one of them actually. Yeah. Jerry's Lefty Guitars. I was like, oh, I don't know if I should buy it. You actually talked me out of it. Yeah. I remember yeah, I sent you a, yeah. a thing. You're like, oh, no, PRS, blah, blah, blah. And then now we're both. <laughs> I know. <laughs> isn't that ironic? I mean, there's so much, there's so much hate, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, about PRS. And, and, and again, it's just because they're the newer guys. Yeah. That's probably it. Yeah. And, and probably the association with John Mayer as well. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and just the perception that it's uh, just for uh, dentists and, and uh, doctors and lawyers. Um, I remember seeing someone saying, oh, you know, they take a piece of wood that should be in a coffee table and make it into a guitar and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we're both, you know, we're working musicians and we use them yeah. because they work. Yeah. They really do work and, and uh, um, yeah, besides 
I don't really care what anyone thinks no, anymore. No, I don't care anymore yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it shows with that last Framus guitar you purchased as well, mate. You're a very, <laughs> you're a very secure man. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm secure in my sexuality. I call that the Liberace, uh, Liberace is, Les Paul. It is. It is. It's, it's got lots of <laughs> golden hardware and, and uh, it actually is kind of kind of nice. A quadruple A flame top and yeah. look, it, it it's not me. Uh, I'm not by any means a flashy dude, but. Um, I guess being in the factory, like I loved seeing what they do. Yeah, their commitment to um, excellence in design and execution, just the, the yeah, quality. Yeah, they, they got it going on. They do yeah. got it and going how on. How clean was the place? And uh, it wasn't because we were there. It was no. like that's just how it is. It's, it was stunning. It's German man. You could eat off the floor in the bloody yeah. room. They cut the wood. That's right. It was, there was no dust. No, it's just <laughs> it's crazy, and it's off the grid, completely off yeah, the grid. Yeah. No, uh, no really power. It, it, they use all you know recyclable mm-hmm. uh, bits and bobs, and it's just amazing. And and you know meeting Phil X, it was it was fun. But to see that he's he's touring with Bon Jovi, touring the world for yeah. the last six or seven years, and his Framers guitars. He uses them every night, hmm. and and why? Because they work, yeah. you know, and they sound great. They do exactly what he wants them to do. So, yeah, that was an, a great um, time that we spent there, and, and you know, I love those guitars. I think they're really, really good. Cool. Yeah. Hey, I was going to ask you one last question. We'll close with this for both of us, I guess, yep. is what's the easiest electric guitar you've got? Like if you've got one, you just pick up and you go, oh, man, this is just great. Like for me, I'm, I'm going to go my PRSSE. It just... It's so much easier to play than that. And my fifty-two Talia are both. I've started playing that again, actually, yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is so good. Yeah, it's a really nice guitar. But the PRS feels that little bit easier for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about yourself? Gosh, you know, none of them fight me. Oh, good. Um, the the Phil X XG has got a big neck. It's like a fifty-eight yeah, Les Paul. Great guitar. And uh, so that sort of for me, it makes me change slightly my attack on it. Um, and when I, if I've been playing that for a while and I get back onto, you know, either of the PRSs, yeah. um, um, it, it kind of feels weird. It feel, makes the PRS feel like an Ibanez, you know, real kind of skinny <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, no, they're all, they all feel great. I, I'm, I'm really, really happy with the guitars I've got. And cool. um, you know, the other day at the jam, I. I brought up uh, a Les Paul, you know, Ryan Les Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I was playing it and I, I just I, I enjoyed the vibe of it and what it means. But then when I started to get up above, say, the 14th fret, there's this huge lump of wood in your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the, that long tenon neck the charm, thingy. Rick. Come on, mate. And, and, and I'm going, what's this? And then when I... And I got home and, and got my other guitars, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't, you know, live a lot uh, high up there, but it's nice to go there every once in a while yeah, without absolutely. going, bang, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's this, this lump of wood. And, I mean, okay, people say, well, Flash can do it, so you must suck. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, no, I really – I can't say any of the guitars fights me. I, I cool. just love how they feel and, yeah, and, um, yeah just the – the setup and ergonomics, all that sort of stuff. And it's almost what you get used to as well. Like at least with my collection of stuff, if I play one guitar, if I get on a binge where I, that's all I play, yeah. all of a sudden the three through five could become the easiest guitar for a couple of weeks to play. Oh, yeah. And then I go over to something else, maybe not tone-wise, but just in terms of how it feels if I'm noodling around on it. Yeah. And other yeah. weeks I'm like, 
man, I can't believe I haven't been using the, the tally or the... But yeah. every time I pick that PRS up, even if I feel like I've been playing great on another guitar, I'm yeah. like, man, this is so easy. It just yeah. feels easier. I don't know, don't know why. It just No, they just, they just got to yeah. sort it out. And it doesn't tick the boxes for me in terms of the neck shape and anything. It's just such an odd guitar in my hand. Like I would never normally want to buy a guitar with a neck that thin. Yeah, yeah. But it, it plays unreal and I don't even think about it when yeah. I'm playing it. So. yeah. I think, yeah, I think I that just shows you that we, we have these certain uh, preconceived ideas about oh, what what's my sort of custom fit guitar. And, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, the other day I, I was at a jam where this awesome guitar player and beautiful friend of mine, uh, Marcel Yumini, g'day Mars. Um, he he played, won't be watching this. No. He's too professional. <laughs> <laughs> he played my gear and, and I did comment to him at, uh, at the time that uh, – Seeing him play my gear is like, you know, seeing seeing my wife with Johnny Holmes. But uh, yeah, look that up, kids. But um, it, it was just incredible to hear him play my my stuff, and he found all these notes that I still can't find on it. Huh. Um, but um, yeah, the, the guitar, you know, the, these are tools, and and it's up to us to extract all the stuff out of them. Mm-hmm. And and it, I guess to me, it just confirmed that. Yeah, they're great guitars. Yeah, and I just got to learn to play them better. Yeah, you know? ain't no junk in your collection, mate. Tell. Um, no, 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 no. That's that's true. I'm a yeah. total snob, but yeah, I do, I do love them. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks again, Rick, for doing the podcast, uh, mate. I appreciate no, it's a pleasure. it. Awesome. We had a more request to have you back, so I thought. <laughs> We can do that. Mate, these people have got to get out more. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to listen to the audio-only version, you can go to inthebluespodcast.com or you can find it on iTunes. Just type in In The Blues or Guitar Podcast. It should come straight up. Yeah, massive thanks again to Abraham for these uh, posters that are going to live in this room for a while. So good. You might see a, a couple of them switched up from time to time. So, yeah, check out his artwork in the description below. He's not sponsoring the podcast, but... I wanted to thank him by mentioning that. So, yeah, thanks again, Rick. I appreciate it, mate. Cheers, mate. See you in the next one. Anytime. Cool. Thanks for watching the In the Blues podcast. Subscribe for more episodes. 